Thanks for listening to the Faith Assembly Podcast. If you're in the Orlando area, we hope you're able to join us for one of our services. Please check out faithassembly.org for more information or follow us on social media at faithORL. We hope this message will be an inspiration to help you find all that God has for your life. Enjoy the message. So years ago, I took this test back in the 1900s, no, 1990s. Not 1890s, 19. Some of you might think that's older for me. What wound up happening is I took it and I came up uh, with the giver as a 30 or 40. It was pretty low. I had other gifts that were higher. And I remember I used to come and help uh, Pastor Rob Hawks, who is Ashley Hawks, our children's pastor's daddy. And Pastor Rob used to uh, oversee um, the last reunion, these productions that we used to do here. They were marvelous. They were fantastic. I used to come, and I would just volunteer. I didn't act, but I just helped behind the scenes. I think one time they dragged me on stage to act, but the rest of the time, it was helping tear down, set it up, do all kinds of stuff. And I remember Pastor Rob once asked me, he said, and by the way, during that time, I was going through, we were going through a real financial time. I was transitioning from business into ministry, the Lord had closed the business down. I was, uh, we were thousands of dollars in debt. I was doing day labor, a lot of different stuff. And um, you're saying you were volunteering? Yes, I was volunteering. Even, even between the jobs, I knew that I could still serve the Lord and come and serve for a few hours. So what happened is Pastor Rob asked me, he says, Jim, if the Lord would bless you with $100,000, could you give $10,000 to the Lord? And I hesitated (laughs) because in my brain, I started doing the mental gymnastics. I got to pay this guy first, that credit card. I got rent that's due. I've got this happening, all these things. Finally, I got down to the bottom of the list, and there was the $10,000. And I I said, yeah, I can give that to the Lord. Uh, That was not the right answer. Because what happened is the Lord began to work me over and convict me over the course of the next several days and weeks. And he just worked on my heart to the point where I thought, Lord, I need to repent. If I, in that position, the first 10,000 needs to be to you, and then all the other things will be taken care of. And so I began to just purpose in my heart, Lord, as money comes in, I'm going to tithe, but as the extra comes in, I'm also going to give. And my wife and I, made a, we made a, a deal back then that even when I was doing day labor, making $50 a day or $75, we would tithe, but we would also take a portion and we would give it to a missionary that would come through. We would give some to the building fund. We would give, give, give. We wanted to give to everything that we could, even though it was a small amount. And what began to happen is I believe with all my heart, the Lord began to change my heart. In Romans chapter 12, verse 1, the beginning of this uh, chapter, it says, I beseech ye, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as living sacrifices, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And I love this verse, second verse. And do not be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is good and acceptable and perfect, the perfect will of God. 
the Lord began to renew my mind. He began to transform my mind as we began to give. Our actions started helping to modify our mind and our hearts. There's a verse that I love. We, we quote it here a lot. It's found in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7. So let every person give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or with hesitation, for God loves a cheerful giver. So we shifted gears. We purposed in our hearts to give. We were going to give. So everything that came in, my wife and I, our family, we already had a plan. There was a purpose. Don't worry about the amount. It was, the amount was, it was the heart. The amount was important, but it really was more the heart. And we purposed to give to everything. We started giving to missionaries. Every Wednesday when there was a missionary here, we'd give something. We'd give to the building fund. We'd give to the sacrificial offering. We would give things. We would just give, give, give to the Lord. And it began to change our heart. And look at verse 10 on this scripture. We didn't put it up, but listen to this. Now, may he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food supply and multiply the seed you have sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness. What's happening as we sow seed? What happens? The Lord, the one that provides seed to the sower, would give it to us, and he gives us more seed. And we found over the last many years, the Lord was so faithful to us, we began to have more seed come in and more seed to sow into God's kingdom. And I want to encourage you. There's so much more. When you do this, when you go above and beyond, the tithe is the 10%. But giving above and beyond to the Lord's kingdom, he blesses you. He gives you favor. Hey, listen, he breaks the curse. He pulls you out of debt. He does so many wonderful things for you. You begin to prosper. You begin to succeed in life. There is so much more when we give to the Lord. It's a key to access the heartbeat of God, but it's also a key to access the kingdom of heaven and all that is available to us. Amen. Let's get started. I, uh, Pastor, I know I got, I'm, I'm going to be quick here. Let's look at the first question. And remember, as we go through these, just mark the appropriate one. But the first one here is a keen ability to discern wise investments in order to have more money available to give away. Whatever you put there, is it never, is it uh, sometimes, is it mostly, is it always? Mark it on your, on your uh, sheet there. Uh, Matthew included more counsel on wise use of money than any other writer. I love this scripture. It's found in Matthew 6, 19 through 20. Do not lay up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. And verse 21, for where your treasure is, there your heart is. When we give, we give to the Lord, we give into his kingdom. It's making an eternal deposit in his kingdom for us. Number two, a desire to give quietly without public notice. Matthew is the only gospel writer who emphasizes the need to give secretly so that God could reward that person openly. 
As pastors, we have to balance this. We have to be very careful. There's a part of me that wants to be very private and not share anything, but there's also the part that says we have to lead, and we lead people by showing them how to lead, but also telling them and letting them know how we lead. And so there's a balance here. The third one is a motivation to give as unto the Lord at his promptings, not at a man's appeals. Matthew notes that when we give to the needs of fellow Christians, which God reveals, we give to Christ. In Matthew chapter 25, we read this, For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. And then they all will answer him saying, Lord, when did we do this? And he says, assuredly, I say to you, inasmuch as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it for me. So when we give, we give as unto the Lord. Number four, a desire to give gifts which are high quality. Matthew records in great detail the gifts that were brought to Jesus when he was born, gold and frankincense and myrrh and precious ointments. And then Joseph of Arimathea, when Jesus uh, was buried, brought, opened up and gave his, his own tomb, brand new, unused tomb, which was of great value um, for Jesus to be buried. But we know the tomb could not hold him down. Number five, an ability to test faithfulness and wisdom by how people handle funds. Matthew reveals the foolishness and rebellion of those who misused what they were given. I'm just going to allude to Matthew chapter 25. There's a parable of the talents. Do you remember this story? A master came, a lord, and he had three workers, and he gave to one five talents, gave to one two, and another one one. The guy with the five took it was a good steward, traded it, invested it, and doubled it. The one that had two talents took it, traded it, invested it, used it, and doubled it. The one that had one, what did he do? He went and buried it. Didn't use it. Did not use that gift. Did not use that talent that the Lord had given him. The two that doubled or increased, the Lord said, well done, good and faithful servant. The one that did not use the gift, the talent. The Lord said, O wicked servant. So there's a great reference for us, a reminder that when we give, it's a test for us of the ability of our faithfulness to give to the Lord. Stewardship. Number six, a tendency to practice personal frugality and ability to be content with the basic necessities of life. So this is a great one for all of us to seek after, whether we have this gift or not, is to be content. I choose to be content in all things. That's, it's a great virtue, and it's something great to be seeking after. Number seven, an alertness to see what other people do with their money. Uh, Matthew is the only gospel writer to explain what the religious leaders did with Ju Judas's 30 pieces of silver, 
Remember, they bought that plot to bury. And then they also, um, how they paid or bribed the soldiers off. So an alertness. If this is part of your gifting, you will be alert to things that are dealing with uh, money, how money is used and how money is spent. Number eight, an ability to see financial needs which others tend to overlook. Matthew records Christ's condemnation of the Pharisees for not supporting their aged parents. So if this is a, 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 a something that works in you, this is a gift that you uh, seek um, this, if this attribute or characteristic is something that you mostly do or you do often, then you would mark it on this. If you don't do it that often, then you would mark it less on your chart. Number nine, a desire to use giving as a way to motivate others to give. A desire to use giving as a way to move, move others to give. I knew a man who was very, very wealthy. This was years ago. And he had this gift of giving, above and beyond. In fact, he was one of these guys that would live, tried to live on 10 or 20% of his income, and the other 80% he would give away. And what he decided to do is he would go to ministries, and he would say, here's what I'm going to do. I want to motivate other people to give, so what I'll do is I will give a donation, and you can use it to get matching donations. How many of you have seen that before, right, where some organizations will say, if you give... We have matching donations, which can double your donations. Well, this was a man that loved to do this. This was one of his gifts. The Lord had blessed him, and he was able to do this, to motivate others to give. And number 10, gives freely of money, possessions, time, energy, and love. So givers give more than money. They will give of anything they possess. No strings attached. Uh, their heart is to give, to help. Number 11, want to feel a part of the ministries to which you contribute. This is where that name, Metadidos, comes in. You want to give, and you want to be part of the ministry. When you give, like if you give to um, another organization, or you give to someplace, you like to know how is that being used, what's happening. This is part of your giving gift. By the way, this place, Faith Assembly, is tremendous soil. It is good soil. When you give here, the Lord will use it and bless it, multiply it. When we do the food distributions, thank you, Pastor Cody, for all you do with the food distributions. Praise the Lord. Well, when you invest in that, you give towards helping Get the food into the hands of those that need it. Some people would just write a check and say, go ahead, take it, receive it, use it towards that ministry. But someone that has this gift, this giver, this giving gift, they're going to want to go beyond that. You may want to actually come out here and help serve the food. Or you may want to know more how it's helping people and how it's impacting people. And then the last one is number 12. And then pastor will step up here. Intercedes for needs and the salvation of souls. This is a heavy burden for all of us, but I've seen personally and in lives of those that give, that have this gift, 
something switches inside. I started off by saying that God was a giver. He gave us his son. I've seen this really be activated in my life the last couple of few years. I have a heart for souls like I never did before. I have a heart for prayer like I never did before. If you were to ask me a few years ago those questions about those two things, I might have said, yeah, I, I'm interested. I'll pray for people. I'll pray for the lost. I'll pray for those that give, but I wouldn't consider myself in that group. Now it's changed. When we're in that prayer room, I'm praying for souls. I'm praying for people to be healed in this house. I'm praying for the altars to be filled. When we give, my wife and I, we pray, Lord, as we support those 880 ministers or ministries and, and uh, all those missionaries every month, we pray that God is using that to feed people across the world, to take people out of human trafficking, to save souls, to build people up, to send out medical missions, to build churches. Our hearts are part of that giving. And listen, church, I want to encourage all of us to be part of that giving cycle. Even if you don't have this gift, it's okay. Exercise it. Allow the Lord to raise it up. Thank you, and I'm going to let Pastor Carl come up. All right. Let's have uh, Pastor Jim. The hand. Praise God. And he started out by telling us that uh, in the 1990s, he was somewhere around 30, 40 on the card, right? And now you're all the way up to over 80. And so, look, that just means this, that you should grow in the gifting that God has given you. Amen? All right. So we got plenty of time. It's still early. Buckle your seatbelt. We got to go. All right. Number 13. So I hope you got your card and that you are filling it in. This is going to help you. You don't even realize yet how much this is going to help you in the days to come. Um, he grew in the gift of giving. He's a giver, so that's one of the reasons I said, I'm going to ask Pastor Jim to start it out tonight. Many of you in this build, well, let me say this. Uh, of all the gifts that we have uh, taught through the years, this series on motivational gifts, usually um, the givers are in the minority, all right? Uh, most people, their first gift is not giving. But that doesn't mean that you can't become a giver. And that means that you should learn to give. Same way with me as Pastor Jim. Uh, I was not a giver in Bible college. I was a taker. All right. Um, literally, I went to Bible college, had no money. My mother, I think when I left home uh, to go to Bible college, I think she gave me $50. I had two pair of pants and that was about it. So we were not rich. I got, I was a taker. And my brother was working in South Florida. Um, he was sending, we didn't know, we, we weren't taught about tithing. He was sending me his tithe. And I was thanking God for it. And I was spending uh, God's tithe uh, because he was sending it to me and I needed money. Uh, I think I was tithing then, I'm not sure. Um, kinda, all right? I was one of those kinda tithers. 
And so uh, God began to deal with me and speak to me. I was a taker instead of a giver, and God wanted to make me a giver. Uh, I was out helping a girl one day. I told you I had two pair of pants. I was out helping a girl one day, and she had a corroded battery, and I got some of the acid on my uh, pair of pants, and it uh, ate a hole through it. And I went back to the room, and I sat down in the little dorm room, and I was complaining to, about God allowing this to happen. I only had like one other pair of pants. Uh, God, why did you let this happen to me? I was helping somebody. My roommate, who uh, was a, uh, I think he was, uh, where was he from? I'm not sure. He was a little uh, in your face. He was sitting in a chair. He turns around and he says, are you tithing? And I, it just hit me. I'm like, um, no, I'm not. And um, so at that moment, you know, I told you, he is, he's a, a little part of a perceiver, all right? Uh, we need perceivers in our life to turn around and say, are you tithing? And uh, to challenge us. So he did, and so slowly I became a giver and uh, married a giver. Uh, she'd give it all away, but uh, thank God she leaves a little for us, all right? So number 13, let's jump in. Feels delighted when his gift is an answer to uh, prayer. Someone's been praying, they, they are in need financially, and a giver feels the prompting of the Holy Spirit to meet that need, and uh, they are delighted when someone says, how did you know that I needed help? Uh, they're delighted. Their uh, giver is sensitive to the Holy Spirit. They, uh, like Pastor Jim said earlier, they do not want to be motivated uh, by man or pastors. They want to be motivated by God. Others, if you say, we'll, we'll give you something if you give, they're like all in. Uh, typically, givers are not that way. So they want to be motivated by the Holy Spirit of God. And especially when an answered prayer is met through their giving, they're delighted. Number 14, views hospitality as an opportunity to give. Views hospitality as an opportunity to give. Loves to practice hospitality. Is that you? Maybe that's uh, one of yours, or it doesn't necessarily rule you out as a, a giver having that first gift, but uh, loves hospitality. The server loves hospitality. Also, um, they love it because they have a chance to serve. A giver loves it because it's an expression of giving uh, to others. So, views hospitality, opportunity to serve. Number 15, seeks confirmation on the amount to give. Seeks confirmation on the amount to give. Um, feels that the Lord has spoken to them to give. So then they ask a close friend, they ask their wife, they ask their husband, you know, I, this is what I'm feeling. Uh, what are you sensing? What's, what do you think about this amount? And uh, they want confirmation. All right, so if that's you, go ahead and put it down if you are. You never do that. You seldom do it. You sometimes, usually, mostly, and always, okay? So check it or put the number in so you're going to add it up at the bottom to find out if you're a giver. 
And if you fall into the same place Pastor Jim did at 30, uh, the altar is here, two of them, all right? You, you we're going to call you for it afterwards, all right? Number 16, has a strong belief, the giver does, in tithing. And in giving, in addition to tithing, this seems repetitious to what was already, already mentioned, but he sees himself as a steward of God's resources. Really, we all are, but he really, or they really, really sense that. They give many times over and above their tithe, which is 10%, sometimes 20 and 30%. He mentioned someone that did that. J.C. Penney was one of those years ago. He was a strong, strong Christian that loved to give. His goal, along with some other Christian businessmen during his era of time, was to live off 10 or 20%. So they, a lot of businesses in America were founded by Christians who believed in giving. Number 17, believes God is the source of his supply, all right? Believes God. He is Jehovah Jireh. Why don't you say it with me? Jehovah Jireh. He's Jehovah Jireh, our provider. And after my roommate turned and, and uh, uh, rebuked me for not being a tither, I got a piece of paper. I wrote it uh, uh, and put it above my bed, a uh, bunk bed. I slept on the top bunk. And it's, I wrote out Jehovah Jireh so I could see it all the time. Maybe some of you here in this building, you're in debt. You don't know what you're going to do. Uh, maybe you need to write out Jehovah Jireh and put it over your bed or on your dresser or somewhere so you can see it on a regular basis. And when you see it, claim it. God, you are my provider. Now, that doesn't mean you don't work, all right? Or that doesn't mean that you don't give. No, he's your provider. And we sow, we reap. We sow, we reap. We sow, we reap. And a, a person with this gift fully understands that. Number 17, believes God is the source of his supply. Number 18, we already covered that, uh, is very industrious, all right? Now, you can be a, an administrator, you can be an exhorter, you can be a teacher and be industrious, but typically givers are industrious and have a natural business ability. Givers are hardworking, that just ruled somebody out. No, I'm kidding, all right? Givers are hardworking. Givers are hardworking and have a natural ability to make money and be successful. Uh, there's nothing wrong with making money, all right? There's nothing wrong with it. Uh, years and years ago, I, I told Alice, I said, we, we need to save up in retirement because one day, if we're retired one day, then we still want to be able to give. Uh, we, we don't want to scrimp and say, are we going to be able to give? No, we want to be able to give. That was one of my main, motive, our main motivations uh, for laying aside anything for one day, all right? Now, number 19, like to get the best value for the money spent. Now, my first gifting is exhorter, as we covered last week, but here is one that fits me, all right? Like to get the best value for the money spent. They don't like to waste money. 
They don't like to waste money. Um, I don't like to see lights on. Um, I was leaving the office today. I glanced and I saw a light under the bathroom, uh, men's restroom door. And I thought, I went in and there was nobody in there. There's a switch and there's a sign that says, turn this off. And uh, I'm like, I can't believe this. This is, this is the pastor's restroom and somebody walked out of here. And we're going to put cameras in there and find out who's doing it, all right? Uh, on the door, exit door, all right? That's the only place. All right, I'm kidding, of course. I would like to, I'm telling you right now. And, who, and somebody may be feeling guilty, all right? I don't know if they're here or they're not, but uh, I don't even know if they remember. They may have gotten busy, probably did. It hardly ever happens, but it's happened twice in the last three months. All right, so anyway, uh, they like to get the best value for the money spent, all right? When it comes to spending money, they are frugal. They shop for bargains and sales, all right? Um, it's, you know, it's okay to ask for a better deal. All you can get is no. Uh, and one of the reasons that motivated me in this, boy, it actually made me really mad. The pastor at the time, many years ago, was a youth pastor. He said, we need a church van. I want you to go to this uh, dealer. I want you to uh, see what the best deal you can get on a, a church van, 15-passenger van. I went. I, I wrangled. I, I talked. I, you know, and got it to a certain price. And I came back. I was so proud. And I said to him, uh, I got it down to this. And he said, well, we're going to take Bill with us. And Bill Mannion, he dealt in cars, and, and he said, we're going to take Bill. And I'm like, there's no use. He's not coming down anymore. And so I stayed outside the room, and they went inside. And when they came out, they said, yeah, we got it for about 400 more less than me. I was so mad that I knew at that moment that from here on out, I was going to be the one that asked for the better deal, and I, I, it doesn't matter what it is. I don't care. I'm going to ask for a better deal in most cases, all right? We had a, a children's pastor here, Joey Ellis, years ago, and he was looking, we were looking for a phone system, and he researched it and researched it, and he came back, and he said, okay, we can buy this one for like $22,000. I said, offer them 18 or 17.5, whatever. He said, they're not going to take it. I said, well, if they don't take it, they don't take it, but go offer it. He came back and he said, I can't believe it. They took it. Just like that, three or $4,000 saved for the kingdom. Uh, but you know why I did that? Because of that guy at that dealership. That's why. He's still motivating me. Number 20, possesses both natural and God-given wisdom. Givers are fair. They're objective. They often are wise beyond their years. So uh, those of you that fit into this category, you're, uh, you're the deposits of wisdom sitting among us, especially concerning money. All right. Abraham was an example. Dorcas in the Bible was an example of a giver. Lydia, Solomon, uh, there were a lot of givers in the Bible. All right. Now, here's what we're going to do for the next few minutes, and I know it's going to be fast, but uh, when we flip that card over, all right, that 20 questions is where you find out if you have the gift, uh, number one gift as a giver. 
And as we've talked before, you're going to have one gift that goes out the furthest. It's going to be 70 or 80. And then you're going to have a second gift that's going to be a little less or maybe uh, uh, 20 points even less. And then you're going to have the third, the fourth, the fifth, and on. Uh, but uh, you should operate in, on some level in every one of these gifts, but one is going to be your dominant gifting, all right? So the reason we give you this uh, 10 questions is so you can see if you have this gift, but you're simply not mature uh, and you're, you're needing to grow in this gifting. So number one, how givers can misuse their gift, all right? Number one, givers uh, gives too sparingly to their own family, all right? They give to others, but they give too sparingly to their own family. Number two, whatever it is, mark it if you would please, all right? Give too sparingly to their own family. They'd rather give to others. Uh, so that's a misuse of the gift. That's immaturity. Uh, so we don't do that. We don't make our family jealous of how we treat somebody else. Number two, cause this family to resent gifts to others, all right? If givers are too frugal with their own families and then give large gifts to others, it creates that ill will. Number three, listens to unscriptural counsel on money management. Okay, they tend to attract people with wrong, just think about it, if you're a giver, and you love to give, then people find out, they sense that, they're in need, they're gonna go to you. And uh, so you've gotta be very careful because their motives can be wrong and uh, they may give you unscriptural counsel. Uh, the Bible is full of good, scriptural, biblical, financial counsel. Um, so, so good. And uh, we've gone through Proverbs before, talking about not uh, signing uh, a pledge for somebody else. In other words, you're, uh, what's the term? I'm not, I'm, I'm, it's not coming to my mind. Cosign. You, we don't cosign unless, unless you do it knowing that you don't care. It's a relative or a family member. You don't care if you have to pick it up and pay it back. You go into it with that attitude. If you go into it with any other attitude, uh, you don't co-sign. Uh, you don't go uh, partners with those who are unbelievers. Uh, you don't even, you don't even uh, become 50-50 partners with believers, all right? Somebody has to be the final say. When we were planning this building, um, one of my jobs as pastor was to meet with people, uh, high capacity givers, they called them. And I sat down with one couple, and he says to me, he's running this company for some others, but he's got two other partners, and uh, they control two-thirds. He's got a third, but he does all the work. And uh, he said, look, pastor, I want to do something. I really, I'm excited about this. I want to give, and he mentioned the number, and he said, but I'll check with the other guys. They're not Christians. They don't care. They go, he goes back to them, and they're like, oh, no, you, you want to give your money, you give your money. We're not, giving, we're not giving company money. And I thought to myself, dear God, have mercy, dear God. 
And tragic story. He's passed away. But uh, tragic story. He told me, well, Pastor, he said, in about three years, I'm going to become the majority owner of the company. And I'm like, thank God, finally. And uh, just 51%. He would have had control of the company. He could have given what he wanted to give. And then the time came. And I ran into him, was talking to him. He said, oh, well, we met with the lawyers. And the lawyers said, well, we couldn't do that. And he's a great guy, good Christian, but I knew better. I knew he could have done it. And he let those guys uh, beat him out of being the soul. Um, wisdom from the Bible. Folks, is, the Bible is full of wisdom. Say amen. All right. Okay. I better get going. Number four, puts pressure on people uh, to give who have less to give. All right. Uh, givers in their immaturity they can cause others to try to give beyond their means. Number five, uh, fails to discern God's promptings for a gift, all right? Uh, fails to discern God's promptings for a gift. In other words, this is the misuse. This is the immaturity. So we grow and discern or wait for God to prompt us and we obey. Uh, that's maturity. Number six, judges those who misuse funds rather than advising them. So this is immaturity on the part of the giver. They judge people. Number seven, controls people or ministries by gifts. This is the exact opposite of what spiritual mature givers will do. Uh, they do not want control. They do not want to be noticed. Uh, they don't want to be a, a fanfare. They will drop a huge check in, in, uh, in the offering, uh, uh, whatever, right, or online. They'll give it online. They make no mention of it. But uh, others, and it's okay, others, you know, they make a sacrificial gift. They want, uh, they want people to know about it. And there's nothing wrong with that unless they get in the flesh over it. But that happens a lot, but not Givers uh, uh, have this gift that have this gift. Number eight, corrupts people by giving too much. All right, they're out of balance. They will give too much and they corrupt people. And let me say this every day out on the roads, you're going to run into this, or maybe on a regular basis, uh, you're going to go to an intersection. Somebody's going to come walking down the, um, the road saying, Need help. And let me just say to you, uh, we don't, I, I challenge you to pray about these things. Uh, a lot of people give out of guilt, all right? And um, I, I have, I've tried to help people in the past. There was one guy said he would work for uh, money, and I took him to the church and gave him a project. And after about an hour, he didn't want to work anymore and came and said, you know, I, this is too hard. And it wasn't too hard. And I knew at that point that he was just taking advantage of people. So don't give out of guilt. If God speaks to you to give to a certain person, yes, give to them. But listen to the Holy Spirit. Don't give out of guilt. You know, and I know it's tough as nails. Here he comes and he's looking at you. And I'm like, oh my God, have mercy. Lord, help the light to change. Now, I have given to plenty of people in need 
It is not a matter of giving. I just don't want to take God's money and give it to people who are going to go buy beer or, you know, get drunk or use it on drugs. Uh, so you've got to be very, very careful. And usually the best thing is just to pull over and, and uh, try to engage men, with men, of course, but try to engage and, and, um, and find out if there's things that you really can help with uh, versus just temporarily doing something. I, sh- I probably shouldn't tell this, but I w- I've started already on my mind. Uh, over at Goldenrod at Sam's, I was at the gas station pump, and I was pumping gas, and a guy comes up, and he says, hey, listen, can you spare a few quarters? Uh, I'm, I want to buy a bus ticket. I'm going somewhere. Uh, would you mind, please? And I said, sure. And so I took, I don't know, two or three quarters out of my pocket, gave it to him. He said, thank you so much. I, I, you know, I need this bus. Get on the bus. Finish my gas. I drive to another gas station over across the street, get some gas, and I go in. And I end up standing behind him. And he's got cases of beer. And all of a sudden, I realize that my quarters are helping to buy his beer. And I, I can't believe I did it. I know. Don't write me an email, please. I'm God's forgiven if I was out of, in the flesh. But I said, what are you doing? Well, he was collecting money to buy beer. I don't know. Maybe, you know, I don't know what you think about that, but I don't think very much about it, all right? And so I told him, I said, Give me back my quarters right now. I mean, I got hot under the collar just the thought of him, first of all, lying to me, second of all, buying beer with my money. Well, maybe that much, but, uh, and so he digs into his pocket, pulls out a whole thing of quarters that some other Christians had given him and uh, takes the two or three and gives gives them back to him. Um, now you say, I can't believe you did that. I can believe I did that. And so anyway, um, but I would have cared less if he was buying a bus ticket or meeting a genuine need, but, uh, his anyway. All right. So, um, number 10, I have no idea what that has anything to do with this. All right. So anyway, may use financial giving to get out of other responsibilities. Sometimes people think, well, I, I give, so I, I don't need to do anything else, all right? I don't need to pray with people. I don't need to pray. I don't need to go to prayer meetings. I don't need to do anything else. I'm a giver. Um, um, And listen, the church needs people who genuinely have the gift of giving. And the truth of the matter is, we all need to give, and givers set the motion, set in motion, uh, example, They set in motion for others, uh, encouragement to give. And uh, when they do, we need those in the body of Christ. But everybody from the scripture should understand all of us should be a giver. One of the young men in this church, I mentioned it recently. I was so impressed. I still am. I'm blown away. He came up to me recently and he says, Pastor, my wife and I were horrendously, horrendously, and he told me the debt, and I'm like, oh, my Lord. Um, and he said, he went to prayer. He was so distraught, and God said, give your way out of this. And he was like, I don't know how to do that. And God kept saying, give your way out of this. And he went to his wife, and she was on board. 
She was raised in this church, raised in the youth ministry here, both of them. And he said, we started giving. I mean, above and beyond. And pastor, and he started telling me what had happened. I could not hardly believe what I was hearing. It was so phenomenal. Let me challenge you. Instead of somebody help me, somebody help me, somebody help me. No, put the thing up there that says Jehovah Jireh and uh, let him give you wisdom. And uh, you believe, you start sowing and you will reap. And then when you reap some, you have more to sow. And uh, I'm not talking about all of it. I'm talking about a percentage of it. The tithe, the offerings above. Uh, let God increase this gift in your life. Say amen, everybody. All right. Jesus was a giver. God so loved that he gave. You cannot be Christ-like without being a giver. I hope you enjoyed listening to the Faith Assembly podcast. Thank you for joining us in pursuit of growing closer to Christ. Stay tuned for more messages released every week. God bless.